I've always loved Thanksgiving. I don't know what it is. I think it's something about the, uh, the sunsets are just prettier this time of year. Uh, if you grew up in West Tennessee, you know this is always the first week of deer season. I don't know what it is. It's just always been uh, the homiest, the, the most comfortable, and the most joyful of celebrations to me. And, and that's only gotten sweeter uh, as I've grown older. I remember one year I was in college. Another reason I love Thanksgiving was we didn't get a fall break. And so that was our first day off. Uh, from the first day of school until Thanksgiving week, we were on. And so driving home for Thanksgiving break was just awesome. It was the best trip. And one year I was driving home and I was enjoying the sunsets because it comes early. And, and I was looking forward to getting home and seeing my mom and getting that, that home-cooked meal and smelling the house. And I it was coming through the last, the last big city on your way from Nashville to Dresden is Paris. Tennessee, and uh, you, that had like 30,000 people. I mean, it was a huge town, and it had red lights and everything, and I was uh, coming through Paris, and uh, you know, the light in front of me had a left turn arrow, and I was the only person lane, and it turned yellow, but there was nobody coming because it's Paris, Tennessee, and so I whipped on through there after the light had turned uh, off. There were no cars in the intersection. But watching the light very carefully and stepping out into the road when the walk sign turned on was a mother with a baby stroller. And I saw her in time and I swerved and missed her. But that was one of the first and most dramatic sliding door moment of my life. You know what that is, right? It's like everything would have changed if I'd been three feet further out. My, my entire life story, right, would have changed. This, this baby would be dead. This mother would be traumatized. My already fragile psyche would be just crushed. Everything would have changed. And when I think back at moments like that, I, what, I, what I try, the the, the the phrase that I've coined is try to be as thankful that it didn't happen as you would be sad if it had happened. Try to be as thankful. Try to be as joyful that it didn't happen as you would have been sad if it had happened. That sounds good, but it's impossible, right? I mean, you can't fake joy. You can't just manufacture euphoria. There would have been no trouble manufacturing grief and sorrow and mourning and you still have to go to work the next day, right? I mean, if, if that tragedy happens, I'm never going back to school. Life's never going to get, get back to normal. But since it didn't happen, I had like 30 seconds to get over it because I still had to drive home. We need, if we're really going to be as thankful that it didn't happen as we would have been sorrowful if, if it had, we really need a week. We need a week to take off. We need a week to just focus on being thankful. And, and that's what Thanksgiving is. Thanksgiving is a week to think of all the things you have to be thankful for, all the, the people, all the small events and the big events in your life that God has blessed to bring you to where you are. And it's, it's a week long. In Leviticus chapter 23, God commands his people on the seventh month, which would be September. Our Thanksgiving is a little late, but none of us are farmers, so it doesn't matter. It's supposed to be right after the harvest. 
Take a week, he says, from the Sabbath to Sabbath, to feast, to eat the fruits of the land, to, to cut down the, the best flowers and the best le- uh, tree branches and, and bring them together to make things beautiful and to gather with your friends and feast for a week. He says that is to be an ordinance for you for all time. And it has been. 4,000 years later, we're still celebrating it. And I want you to know that everything about it is biblical and beautiful, and I want you to enjoy it. I want Thanksgiving to be for you a time to stop, a time to rest, a time to give thanks, and a time to feast. So we're going to celebrate, we're going to start the week off by celebrating with, a, uh, with Psalm 34, one of my very favorites. Please stand as we read from Psalm 34. Verses 1 through 22. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble be here and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you as saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you his saints. I'm sorry. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. I'm sorry, I couldn't find that sentence. I apologize. Let's start again. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. But the Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Thus far the reading of God's word. All men are like grass, and all of our glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but not God's word. God's word stands forever. You may be seated. John Broadus was a uh, theologian and pastor and very powerful evangelist who grew up in South Carolina in the 19th century. And he was converted at a re- relatively young age. He was a teenager, uh, well, about 11 years old, not quite a teenager, uh, in Greenville, South Carolina. And for whatever reason, one Sunday when he, his pastor was preaching, all of a sudden his ears were opened and he noticed that he was paying attention and he noticed that the, what the pastor said made sense to him and he, he felt his sin and he, and he 
understood finally for the very first time why Jesus had to die for him and he and he received Christ and was saved and and he the, the very next day the first thing he wanted to do was see Sandy Jones Sandy Jones was a dirt farmer his hands were never clean his clothes were never clean they were never uh, anything but worn out he was poor but Sandy was sweet and and John loved him and he he went to Sandy and, and this was his evangelistic plea Sandy I became a Christian yesterday and I sure would love it if you become a Christian too and Sandy said oh okay so Sandy started listening in his church and a few weeks later when John Broadus walked into the schoolyard he saw Sandy there with a big smile on his face and he said John John it's Sandy I just want to thank you I just want to thank you John Broadus became a, a very well-known uh, scholar for that time, and uh, he, he founded a seminary and did tons of things, uh, went all over the country preaching, and from time to time he would, he would come back to Greenville, and, and he said every time that he preached, whether it was at First Pres, Greenville, or somewhere else, no matter where he was preaching, uh, there would be Sandy Jones on the steps. And we, when he see him, wherever he saw him, no matter how far off he was, he would call out, John, John, it's Sandy. And he'd stick that big dirty hand out and shake his hand and say, I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you. His wife wrote that on John Broadus' deathbed, one of the last things he said to her was, the two things I'm looking for, looking forward to, are to see the face of my Savior, and to hear the voice of Sandy Jones say, John, it's Sandy. I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you. There's just something true and pure about that, isn't there? Thanksgiving, just being thankful. It's so pure and honest. It's so cleansing. But it's hard. It's hard. Some of you still haven't written the thank you notes for your wedding gifts. I mean, things, do you remember that as a parent or as a child? Learning to say thank you is one of the hardest lessons, right? Grandma gives a cookie to your son or daughter. Say thank you. Say thank you. You can't eat that cookie until you say thank you. There's something that you just know deep in your soul that saying thank you is weak it means I didn't deserve this I am lesser than you it's been said that uh, it's better to give than it is to receive and it's a whole lot easier it's a whole lot easier to give when you give you're up here when you receive you're down here and you, you just know that implicitly and that makes it hard. We don't like that. We, don't, we like being, you know, self-made, independent, the rugged individual. Nobody gave me anything that I didn't build for myself. Even though that is the biggest lie. You didn't make yourself. You didn't birth yourself. You didn't educate yourself. You didn't raise yourself. You didn't feed yourself. All that's just absolute lies. But we love them. Those are lies that we love. And the idea that I have to be thankful for everything that I am, ooh, yuck. 
But what are the reasons? Why? What, what, what should we be thankful for? We should be thankful this text shows us for the Lord's protection. And this, this text is amazingly honest, honestly, really, when you look at it. Because there's different verses we want to grab out of context, you know. The young lions will suffer. Uh, the, the young lions lack and suffer hunger. But he who waits on the Lord will lack no good thing. We like that, right? Let's, let's, let's cross-stitch that on our kitchen wall. But you know what we don't write like? Many are the afflictions of the righteous. That's honest, isn't it? Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. We need to be thanking the Lord for his protection. Even uh, throughout life and through the end. Most importantly, thank God for his protection because death is no longer something we fear. It's no longer something that destroys. It's a transition. It'll be a sad transition when you transition from earth to heaven. But it has no power to destroy you know what movie every good Christian is going to be watching in the next couple of weeks? Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. So much good theology in that story. And one of the great theological lessons of it, you know, there's a big abominable snowman. We call him the Bumble. And the abominable snowman, he's terrible and he's evil and everybody's terrified of him until what? Until Hermie. You remember Hermie? The, the elf who wants to be a dentist? I want to be a dentist. He pulls the teeth out of the bumble. And so then the next time he shows up, he's just got gums. There's nothing to fear. And he becomes the guy who puts Christmas lights on trees because he can reach them. And, and that's what death becomes for us. Jesus took the teeth out of death. And therefore, we have absolute assurance that we will be protected from them all, from all afflictions. We're not only thankful to be safe from afflictions, we're, safe, we're, we're thankful to be protected from sins that we wanted to commit so badly. And the Lord just didn't let you. Do you remember those? Most of you don't know that when I was, in, when I was 17 years old, I dated a married woman for th- two months. Did you know that? That could have been the end of me for many reasons. Her husband was in the Marines. It could have very, very easily been the physical end of me. And the Lord protected me. He protected me from doing things that I wanted to do so badly. He was with me. I thank him for that all the time. 30 years later, I thank him for his provision. I thank him that he gave me what I needed. He, he was with me, giving him all things, giving us all things, uh, Paul says in Romans 8, He who gave his own son to you, how will he not with him give you all things? Do you think about his provision very often? Do you really think about it? Do you think about... So there's just so much. I don't even know where to start. Do you think about your sicknesses or the, the miracles of medicine to prevent you, thank you, to save you. I'm sorry. Do you think about, do you think about how, 
You remember that time God saved you from smallpox? It happened years ago before you were ever born. He did it. He eradicated it. I got a little mark in my shoulder to prove it. Do you think about how everything you have, every meal is from him, every relationship is from him? Do you think about how he has cared for you? Do you think about his wisdom in what he's given you? Those who wait upon the Lord will lack no good thing. I love when, the, uh, when Jesus says to us, uh, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your, to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to you? But you know what that means? It means he doesn't give bad gifts. He uses the illustration, if your son asks you for a fish, will you give him a serpent? Of course not. But let me reverse that. If your child asks you for a serpent, are you going to give it to him? Probably not. And as we look back over our lives, we see times that we've asked for serpents, right? Uh, Winona Ryder was my favorite actress back in the 80s and the 90s. And uh, I was reading an interview with her once, and she was talking about how she grew up on a hippie commune. Uh, in, a te- in a tent and she said that uh, her mom was so liberal that she said hey look if you ever want to try drugs if you want to experiment with drugs come to me and I'll, I'll get you the good stuff and then she got older and she said she never you know asked that and she got older and she said mom were you really going to give me drugs and her mom said no silly of course not I just didn't want you to try them the wisdom of what he didn't give us. You look back on that very often? Man, when I was a sophomore in college, I fell in love with this girl. And I, uh, I prayed for her and prayed for her. It's really funny. My best friend produced his uh, prayer journal from college not too long ago. And every stinking time we got together to pray, it was always about her. And then uh, she had this uh, sorority party. And she had to ask somebody out on a date. And she asked my best friend. And two weeks, I went home crying over that. And two weeks later, Bianca walked into the room and I fell in love with her and been together with her ever since. So thankful the Lord didn't give me that, what I've been, been praying for. Are you thankful? Do you ever take the time to think of all the things you thought you wanted? Do you even take the time to think about the huge prayers in your life that the Lord did answer? Do you think about those ever? A few years ago, we had people bring their impossible prayer requests. And I read through those um, a few months ago, and several of them were dramatically answered. A couple that uh, didn't think they were going to be able to have another child, and and they did. A mother praying and praying that her son would get a a friend and he's married now. Uh, A father praying and praying that his son would get a job. And when he did, instead of thanking the Lord for answering that prayer, I was just so worried that he was going to get fired. We just, we move on, don't we? It's hard for us to remember the things that we're giving our prayer, our, our grace for. And we, we could go on and on on that, but let's, let's move on to a heart of thanksgiving. What is the heart of thanksgiving? The heart of thanksgiving is recognizing the grace. Look at the subtitle. If you have your Bible open, we didn't give it to you. But this is a psalm of David 
when he changed his behavior before Abimelech. So Abimelech was uh, one of the kings of, of the Philistines, and David, instead of trusting the Lord and remaining in Israel and, and trusting him to protect him, he, he ran off and joined the Philistines, and then he realized, okay, this was stupid, and uh, the king was going to have him killed, and so he began to act like he was insane and spit spittle all over his beard and scratched at the door, and Abimelech kicked him out, and so he was safe. And, and this is what David is thanking God for. Thank you, because what I did was stupid. And I don't deserve it. That's grace. That's grace. That recognition that I didn't deserve it. Uh, that, that's what's behind Thanksgiving. That's, that's honestly what we don't like about Thanksgiving. One woman has gone to Tim Keller before and said... Um, has said, I don't like this idea of grace. He said, why? She says, well, if it's everything by grace, if everything in my relationship to God is by grace, then I have nothing to negotiate with. I have nothing to negotiate with. I just owe him everything, and he can ask anything. And that's grace. I love, that's, that's true grace. Grace is not just receiving something you don't deserve. It's receiving the opposite of what you deserve. All right. I've been going too fast. I need to slow down. How many of you are on Instagram? Are you ever on Instagram? Be honest. Okay. If you're not already, I command you, follow delightful news. Delightful news. It's amazing. It will absolutely make you tear up every day. And in Delightful News, they had the story uh, a few weeks ago of a man who pulled into a parking lot, and we pulled into the parking lot, this bicycle slammed right into him. Big scratch down the door of his brand-new car, you know, expensive car. And the kid just took off. Man's furious. And he gets out of the car, and he says, Who was that? Nobody wants to tell him who it was. One little girl says, Sorry, he didn't mean to. He, he, his bicycle didn't have any brakes. The next day, the man comes back around the same parking lot. Parks in front of the entrance so nobody can get out. Walks out of the car slowly. He goes and opens up his trunk. He says, is that boy who ran into me here today? And you can tell who it is because it's the kid who just broke out into tears. He opens his trunk and he pulls out a brand new bicycle. He says, here, son, this one has brakes. That's grace. It's the opposite. You should have been made to pay for what you did, but instead you're given everything. You're given the world. You're given life. We are, the respons- we are responsible for breaking this world, and God, instead of, instead of charging us for it, instead of making us fix it, instead of holding us responsible for it, he gives us the world as he gives us his son and if we can keep that mentality thanksgiving is what protects us it protects us from the deceitfulness of wealth if we just look at what god's given us instead of looking at what we don't have then we don't sit around and and come up with with ways to to make money and we don't fall into that trap to to get rich quickly that has destroyed so many It protects us from bitterness and hardness. It protects us from 
the busyness of the world taking joy in what we have instead of doing more. It protects us from self-pity. Just taking joy in what you have. Sometimes you've got to look. Sometimes you've got to look. Um, you know, when your washing machine breaks down in December and you have to go buy another one because your husband tried to fix it. I never did that, but I've heard of other people who have. You can be really mad that the Lord didn't miraculously fix your washing machine. Or you can be really glad that you have the money to buy another one. It's kind of all up to you. And sometimes, guys, sometimes we have this, this, this time in between. There's this time in between uh, what we ask for and what we get. What we, uh, what, you know, the Lord says he's going to take, the Lord works through all things for the good of those who love him. And, and sometimes that's a long wait until we see it. I got a letter from a man who lives in uh, Sperry, but he didn't write me from Sperry. He wrote me from the state penitentiary in Helena. He said he, he was given a, uh, an iPad last summer, and for some reason my sermons were on it. And the Lord's converted him. And he's going around sharing my sermons with people in the penitentiary. Do you think he was thankful to get thrown in prison? Do you think when he was arrested for aggravated assault, he thought, best day of my life. But if he doesn't go to prison, he doesn't get saved, and he doesn't go to heaven. That's a long wait. That was a multiple-year wait. Can you wait? Do you have the faith to wait and to look for it? It's hard. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. The Lord delivers him out of them all. And one of the ways we strengthen that faith and enable us to wait is we begin getting into the practice of thanking God. How do you thank God? How do you become thankful? Before you get out of bed, you thank God for your your spouse. You thank God for the rest that you got. You thank God that you didn't go to sleep in fear of being uh, hurt or being kidnapped or being freezing to death. None of those things that even occurred to you. You thank God for your children before you pick them up and spank them. You, you thank God for your posture. You thank God for your, a hot shower. Do you realize that for thousands of years no one experienced a hot shower? You thank God for hot meals. You thank God for toiletry. You thank God for modern sewage, the lack of which killed millions throughout history. Do you thank God for his protection? thanking God, it changes your posture. It makes you look up with thankfulness at him instead of looking across at him with anger. It makes you look up at people with love instead of looking down at them with with judgment. You have to look for the blessing sometime, but it's there. You, you, You practice thanksgiving by actively thanking God but that's not it. That's not the only way we practice Thanksgiving. We also pr- practice Thanksgiving by tasting and seeing. What did God tell the people in Leviticus 23? He said, come together and thank me and then go home. Write me a thank you note. No. He said, feast. 
You thank God by feasting. When a grandparent gives their grandchild a gift, what, what do they want? How do they really want to be thanked? They want to see the child play. You want to see the child eat the cookie. You just want to see him happy. What does God want from you for Thanksgiving? He wants to see you happy. He wants to see you celebrate the feast. When we celebrate the feast, it's a powerful thing. It, it, it rattles the cages of hell. Bother Satan. That we can enjoy good things. He can't create things that are good. He can only corrupt. Enjoy. Enjoy each other. Enjoy the food. Enjoy the rest. Thank God for the people you celebrate with. Thank God for your warm bread. Keep this week special. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Please pray with me. Uh, Father, our tongues just fail to, uh, to list all the ways that you've blessed us. Your, our tongues fail to uh, even, oh, even begin to think. Lord, we join with Charles Wesley when he cries out, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing your praise. You've given us so much. And we will never grow tired of enjoying your gifts, enjoying you, and celebrating before you. I pray these things in Jesus' name.